0: Hey friends, welcome to Talk With Me. I have not been doing this so often and I miss it so much. So I am very happy to have the opportunity to do this today. I also need to recognize today. Today is Friday, November 20th, 2020. And November 20th is Transgender Day of Remembrance. And that is not what this podcast is about today. And still, it's an important part for us to remember that there are many, too many marginalized communities in our country and other countries, trans people, people who are non-binary, people who are not uh, the gender that they were assigned at birth. All all the gender issues are real. And so I want you to consider learning if you don't already know and understand about that. Um, I am very fortunate to have some wonderful friends who are open about own experiences. And I want to give a shout out in honor and memory of Stephanie Mott, who was a leader in the Kansas and beyond area related to rights for people who are trans, including with a transgender tour of faith, did speaking across the country in different faith communities. And Stephanie and I, when we presented together, we would joke because one of the things that, that people have heard so much bad about is trans people going into bathrooms. So, so I would set Stephanie up with, so Stephanie, why do trans people go into bathrooms? And she would say, to look in the mirror and check our hair just like everybody else. <laughs> I love you, Stephanie, where you are above. So sorry for your early passing. And for all the people who are represented in each year's deaths of trans people that are deaths by violence, Um, that's not something that we can allow. We need to talk about it. We need to do things about it. So November 20th, 2020, that's the day we're recording. And that's why I'm talking about that transgender day of remembrance and thinking about people I know who are So happy in their lives when they are open and living their authentic lives, as Stephanie would say. And so today, Talk with Me has always been a very personal podcast. So, in that sense, it's appropriate that I mention something personal to me. And today, it's going to be kind of a personal and canine podcast. And in fact, I am sitting at my dining room table, which is where I've always recorded this show. And I have the rainbow puppy at my feet asleep, our five month old English Springer Spaniel, who is in our lives because our soul dog, Bo, who was a rescue dog, who was an English Springer Spaniel, Bo died on May 12th of this year. And um, we realized we couldn't be a dogless household. And at this moment, rainbow named after Bo is right here. And so that is Rain, R-A-I-N-N, Bo Beau, B-E-A-U, because that's how Bo's name was spelled. Anyway, so I am, I'm excited, and I know this is going to be a great, fun experience today. I'm sitting here not only with this dog at my feet, but I'm sitting here with three books beside me that all have dogs on the cover of them. One has a, a painting of a dog by another dear friend, Rob Plath. One has this art of two dogs by friend Eileen Murphy, also known as Mish. And the other has this guy and his dog, this photo that Mish took of John Yamras and Stella. And you might guess because one of them I said with a last name is actually the person who I'll be talking with today. Uh, Stella is the star of the show, but she won't, I don't, Think be present during or be verbal during the uh, podcast, but who knows? It could happen. <laughs> so I get to welcome uh, my dear friend, John Yammeris, who is in Pennsylvania while I'm sitting here in Lords, Kansas. John, 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 how are you?
1: <laughs> I'm doing great. It, it, tell, is this my second or third time on the show?
0: It's at least the third. I did not actually go back and check.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. It's at least the third, so yeah. maybe third or fourth. Yeah, I don't know. It's always you, so
0: much fun. You've been busy.
1: Yeah. You <laughs> you talked about the cover of um, my new book, the picture with me and uh-huh. Stella. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, we might also talk about the back cover, because somebody in a recent uh, review, or in fact, a review just published this morning, talked about how sedate and posed and prim and proper that front cover is, uh-huh. with Stella and me posing together trying to look all all intelligent, or at least she's looking <laughs> intelligent. Um, I, I'm faking it. Uh, but on the back cover, the author's photo, uh, for, for our listeners, there's a picture of Stella standing perched <laughs> on my lap. It was a uh, middle of a thunderstorm. And as Stella's gotten older, she's six and a half now. As she's gotten older, uh, she's got more afraid of thunder. And it's reached the point where just a threat of rain gets her scared. And this one day, this is probably six months ago, it started thundering, and she jumped up on my lap, and she didn't sit down. She stood there on my lap, as you can tell um, by the back of the book. She stood there, <laughs> and uh, I couldn't wait. I was shouting, Kathy, get a picture of this really quick. you got to see this. And uh, some people who saw that back cover of the book said, her dog's trying to dominate him. And <laughs> I, I, you know, I can't get it through to people that, no, she was just a Right in the thunder.
0: <laughs> She's got such a sweet expression. I don't know how anybody could think that was dominance. <laughs> <laughs> she is big, though. She is big. She is big.
1: <laughs> she, was, she just had a, uh, a, a little fatty mass removed from her side yesterday. So when we took her in, we had her weighted. She was 59 pounds. So, yes, she is big. She's probably the biggest dog we had. Um, even bigger than Ito, who was a, a, another big, he wasn't fast. he was he was built like a uh, fire plug when mm-hmm. he was solid. He, he was short and wide and solid and good. Mm-hmm. Cool.
0: We love our dogs. I was thinking as I was, as I was thinking about us getting to do the podcast, I was thinking about people that we have in common that that uh, you, Connected me with and and who have become a friends, and I was thinking about them all as dog people. So Eileen Murphy, whose whose art art name, who's known by Mish, um, I realized that that Mish is, as I would say, her soul dog, who died long ago, and and I and Rob Plath, who Decker, whose painting is on the front of part po- of the poetry bark. Um, He, he, his family is his Daisy cat, but he's a long time volunteer with the New York bully crew. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so Rob does this thing of New York bully crew is a rescue for abused pit bulls and they they rehab them with medical care and lots of love. And so Rob is one of those people who takes dogs out for walks and loves them. And a lot of times he'll share photos of the dogs and these dogs that people think of are, are so scary. You'll see this dog um, that's scarred, which is very sad. And you'll see these, these dogs lay in and, and given Rob their belly to Pat because they've learned that that humans are safe and loving. And, and so Rob is quite quite a dog person and in fact has, has done two paintings for me oh yeah oh yeah and and they're beautiful and speaking of his paintings mish has an art show coming up in the spring does. that's going to be all dogs how cool is that um, it's really cool yeah and and wolfgang karstens who's the a poet and also the publisher for epic rights press who has done a bunch of your books i think of of his sole dog as tala um, the dog that he had who sadly died from Cancer, and he he. Oh yeah, that was tough. That was
1: really. And then
0: Mark Statman, who's now in Oaxaca, Mexico, a poet, a translator, a wonderful human being. I would say his soul dog is Cannonball, who we've all heard about and who shows up in some of his work. You know, and so now I have to ask you, the newest book, which is the reason that that we decided to to uh we had to do a podcast your book, Five Dogs, um, it's published by Heath Brocker. And I wanna know more about that. I wanna know first, is Heath a
1: dog person? (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, uh, Does the sun come up in the morning? Yes, Uh, Heath volunteers. Uh, He's as big a dog person as anyone you can imagine. (laughs) <laughs> he's also fiercely intelligent just an all-around good guy uh-huh. and you you were kind of leading towards how five dogs came to be um he i, I sent him the manuscript of what's going to be in my next book of poetry it's called small talk and he going back and forth with me he uh admitted that he really liked it he's going to be happy to bring it out he said um, that he would kind of do what he could to push it up in his line of books that he's got committed to to bring out he said I'll I'll make a deal with you I'll do that if you would even just think about writing another book about dogs and I I. I didn't want to write another book of poetry about dogs because I really do feel that even though some folks have asked me to add to Bark, my book of poems about dogs, people have asked me to add to it. I really think that the book stands on its own really well and I don't want to tinker with it or add to it or subtract from it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, when I said that to Heath, he was kind of like, no, 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 no. I don't want you to do that. I want you to think about something in the line of your two little memoirs, RMA or memory lane, things where I wrote about what it was like for me growing up back in coal country. Mm -hmm. And uh, he asked if I could take that kind of conversational style and apply it to my love of dogs. And he said that, and I, I thought, I thought for oh good 10 days, two weeks, I don't know. Um, I I didn't, I like the idea. I like the concept, but I didn't really know how to start it. And then that picture of dogs with the zoomies. (laughs) And if you're not a dog lover, um, you maybe don't know what the zoomies are. If you're a dog lover, lover, you know.
0: I'm going to interrupt you though, John. I did not know and I am a dog lover and perhaps because Beau was such a mellow dog, he never did that. <laughs> he would swim like crazy. He, you know,
1: but he, he didn't do zoomies. He had never heard the term. Keith <laughs> had never heard the term either and big dog lover that he is, I was surprised especially Since he had already accepted the book for publication, he just took it on faith. Um, Mm -hmm. And I told him to Google it. So go on YouTube and and type (laughs) in the Zoomies and you'll get thousands of hits of dogs. And the Zoomies, for anybody who doesn't know, your dog just could be laying there in the middle of the yard and all of a sudden they just get joy. (laughs) <laughs> it's the only word just joy and they pick up and run and run and run and run until they exhaust all the joy that's in them and they <laughs> lay back down it's uh-huh. really something to see and yeah it, 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 I, I i wish that feeling could translate to to me and the people about me <laughs> That would be a beautiful sight. Can
0: you imagine a neighborhood where periodically we saw each other doing zoomy?
1: Oliver Street is closed today for a case of the zoomies.
0: (laughs) That needs to happen, man. That's the perfect remedy Uh, to this pandemic.
1: (laughs) Heck with block parties! Next summer we're going to have the zoomies. That'll be great.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so so Heath is really the the one who nudged you to write Five Dogs. That's very cool.
1: Yeah, I the book wouldn't have been written without Heath Brock. Uh-huh. Um and what, and what started the, the the words coming was that thought about the zoomies. And once I started writing about the zoomies, one chapter one word led to another and the book kind of wrote itself the trick the the hard part for me was deciding what not to write what to what to cut out in the book Mm -hmm. what not to say so uh uh again just like in my books of poems I I feel like my talent if I have any is I'm relatively good at knowing what not to say Uh, I feel I'm a better (laughs) I'm not as good as that (laughs) I I feel I'm a better lever router than a putter in (laughs) her
0: interesting (laughs) that that cracks me up obviously (laughs) so so tell say a little bit about Heath's press because I I actually did a podcast with Heath um, as my guest a few years ago. That was way before Concrete Myths Press. Uh, what tell me a little bit about, because I haven't had a chance to, to get updated. What's what what is Concrete Myths Pressed about with for Heath?
1: Well yeah, you really should talk to him about it, but from yeah. my experience, <laughs> it's it's just a an extension of this fiercely intelligent, hardworking cool guy uh-huh. who, who publishes sometimes very experimental work, sometimes Uh work Mm -hmm. like mine, which is fair to Midland, but uh, uh, he's not afraid to take chances. And that's the thing I like the most about Heath and Mm -hmm. Concrete Mist Press. Uh And Uh and Uh actually, I met Heath, I was doing a TV show, uh, probably 40 miles from here, it was local public TV programming. And um, uh, I forget the name of the show, Um, but I was in their, their version of the green room. This local station, it was pretty much broadcasting out of what probably used to be a two car garage at one time, but it's now this TV station with a little addition on the side. And I was sitting in their version of the green room and this guy holding a couple of books of poetry was sitting next to her, sat down next to me, introduced himself and I was surprised to, to learn that he, he knew who I was. And uh, I felt a real connection with the guy. Little did I know that, uh, oh, five, six, seven years down the road, he would be my publisher. So you never know.
0: Yeah, cool. So I mentioned that I was sitting here with three books, and I, I do want to say that the the um, one that's written longer ago is the compilation of poetry, Bark, um, and that one was published by Epic Rights Press and the introduction from Wolfgang Karsten's. Um, is that over the years in John's 19 acclaimed books of poetry his poems about the dogs in his life have consistently stood out as reader favorites. In this little volume we've gathered together the very best of those poems plus added some new ones and joy. So I love that. I love that that Wolf uh, who's dear to me and Rob who's dear to me and you who are dear to me are all um, part of this wonderful collection of, of poetry about dogs and I'm gonna come back to one poem in particular. Um, another of the book is also by Epic Rights Press, which is kind of astounding because, <laughs> because it's this sweet children's book. Phoebe and Ito are dogs and the illustrations are all by Mish by Eileen Murphy. And so that's a book that I have. I have one copy here and, and multiple that, have, that I've gifted, and then the newest one, Five Dogs, uh, by John Yammeris that was published through co- by Concrete Mist Press. And and so as I was again thinking about talking about that, I, I love all of these books and more. I actually have other books of John's in my collection, but I was I was looking and it just it just happened that the uh, first poem I turned to because I was just opening the book in Bark um, is the book. I just now, excuse me, the poem, I just now agreed to another interview. And it cracked me up because, as John will know, because it says in this book, in, with all these interviews, all the same questions and never once do I get asked the right one. In my opinion, the only one. The one that says, you write a lot about dogs. Why is that? If they'd only ask me that, I'd go away happy. And so, John, that is our topic.
1: (laughs) You you made my, I'm sitting here listening to you talk about the stuff that I wrote, and I'm sitting here, I feel like, well, I, I feel very happy and honored to have this conversation with you and to have you talking about stuff that I wrote. That's, that's, that blows me away. You know, I've been doing this. This is my 50th year as a publishing writer. And uh, you and I talked about this before Uh, um, I've published now 33, 34 books a, a lot. Uh, I recently passed, passed my 2,000 um, published poem in in magazines, and those numbers always seem to get people's attention. And uh, you and I talked about this many times that those numbers just happen from working hard and diligently and like a professional, every day, day in and day out. I, I I talk a lot to aspiring writers who say things like, "Well, well, I'm just, I'm gonna be writing this or that, but I'm waiting for inspiration. And I wanna punch them in the face when they tell me that. <laughs> Okay. Waiting for inspiration is, is is wrong. You do the work, and if inspiration comes along, that's just gravy. Uh, you, you do the work. You do the work every day, and good things will happen. Okay. I, I, I always felt that way. I always felt that I'm a modestly talented guy when it comes to, to writing, but that my real talent is that I'm too stupid to know when to quit. Uh, I've done it every day for 50 years, and I'll probably do it every day until I can't do it anymore.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to challenge you just a little bit here before we get back to the dog question. But when you say you do the work every day and good things will happen, I want to get you to tell a story that shows that what constitutes as <laughs> the work? What, <laughs> what constitutes as the work can vary at different points in one's writing career. <laughs> and I so know I where want you're to going hear about that first prize you
1: were. <laughs> okay. Um, s- sometimes the work involves knocking down some of the doors and obstacles yourself. <laughs> Uh, way back when. The, oh, God, this had to be 1970, probably right around 1970, 69, 70, somewhere around there. And I had a best friend, uh, my best friend, Rick. And he and I would get together. and We were both aspiring writers at the time. I guess I was 1920, something like that. And we would always bitch and moan about how We wanted to be published writers, but people wouldn't publish us because we'd never been published before. I, you know, that whole Catch 22, where have you been published? Nowhere, so we couldn't get published. We hadn't won any awards. We hadn't won any prizes. And one night, one weekend, oh, it had to be two o'clock in the morning. um, We just left my house. We still had a little bit left in the bottle of vodka we were carrying. (laughs) and and we walked we'd usually depending on which house we were at we'd walk halfway between the houses and say our good nights and leave and each walk home and we were at, we were at that point where we'd say okay see you tomorrow or whatever and uh, we were at the corner of Oliver and Wakefield streets we were bitching all night how we couldn't get published because we didn't win any awards and he looked up at the street sign, and I, I could still see it in my mind today. It was the corner of Oliver and Wakefield Street. He looked up at the sign, he looked at me, and he handed me the bottle of pop-off vodka and said, I hereby award you the Wakefield Prize. Yay. He handed me the <laughs> bottle of vodka. He handed me the bottle of vodka, and the next morning, since I do this every day, the next morning I rode off to a rather well-known magazine uh, out in the Midwest. Um, I don't know if they're still publishing now, but uh, they were quite well known for poetry back in the day. And I wrote to them saying that I was recently awarded the prestigious Wakefield prize. Uh, I was hoping you'd consider some of my poems for publication. I sent them off and I forgot about it because I was always sending things off. But in this letter, I mentioned that I recently received the prestigious Wakefield. (laughs) Prize. Two weeks later, after I forgot about it, I got a a letter. I was going to say email, but I got a letter from uh, the editor, the poetry editor saying, um, I I got your um, submission in the mail and I heard about you, uh, recently winning the uh, Wakefield prize. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, it's a great prize and I'd love to publish some of your work. And that's a true story of how I got my skinny little foot in the door.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> okay, then back to the question. John Yamriss, you write a lot about dogs. Why is that?
1: <laughs> I Well, first off, I actually don't. I, I, I write a lot about everything. The dogs are, I, I say, 10% of what I write about, but uh, it's an important part of what I write about. Uh, dogs are just so interesting. They, they, there's so much going on there, and when people say they're dumb animals, you know as well as I do that that's not true, and um, they teach us so much. And, and like your new dog, um, when you lost, what was I? Forgive Bo, me. What was Bo the name? Was our
0: of? dog who died on May twelfth. Yeah.
1: Bo, and and it's so hard when we lost our last one, Abby. I was telling somebody that uh, I couldn't go through that again. It was just too hard, too, too hard. And, and this person said to me, but you're exactly the type of person a dog needs. Somewhere uh-huh. out there is a dog who needs you. Uh-huh. And Kathy and I decided, yeah, that's true. And well now we have Stella <laughs> and sometimes you regret it but most of the times you sure don't you just love them they're they're just so much fun yeah uh, in in the book I talk about how how Stella who like I said is 59 pounds 58 pounds and she sleeps on the bed or actually we sleep on her bed I think it's a <laughs> little true and uh in the book, I said, Stella sleeps on our bed. Get over it.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. So yeah. if you have a dog, you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So they, they enhance our lives, and hopefully we enhance their lives, too.
1: Yeah, yeah it, it, it works both ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I read a couple of years ago that they're the only... <laughs> animal that totally depends on on humans for their existence I don't know how true that is they'd probably be able to adapt but you know we, we we feed them we give them shelter we we take care of them when they're sick and the only thing they ask from us is to to be around when they're Last day comes around, and that's that's always hard for everything they give to us. That's the least we can do.
0: Mm-hmm. And I consider there are so many life lessons, you know, with, with us as adults, with little children who are, have the opportunity to live in households with dogs. You know, it's it's there's this connection thing, and there's this learning some patience you know we we have to to remember that dogs are dogs and humans are humans and we don't think and speak in the same languages and have all the same needs and you know we need to to adapt our schedules as humans some, um, and our dogs need to adapt their schedules as dogs a little bit <laughs> oh yeah it's a
1: learning experience for, yeah. both sides. yeah yeah
0: yeah and and it's it's Interesting also how much there's a commonality. I find myself sometimes when I'm talking because my, my work is, is counseling, I'm a social worker. And and sometimes we're talking about relationships or kids or you know, things that are going on in people's lives that they're they're having some some challenges with. And and sometimes it's like, well, you know, if we think about it in terms of how we try to help our dogs learn. This is a great reminder to do the same thing with people. Do our best to ignore the bad behaviors and, and to reward the good ones. And Re- then you Re- get more of the
1: good Repeat, yeah, three R's.
0: <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful thing, you know, it, it, and it really is true. If I think about, if somebody says something harsh to me about something I did wrong, It first is hurtful before it gives me anything that I want to, that I can, am able to use to make positive change, you know, and when somebody remembers to tell me that I've done something well, that encourages me to do more of that. (laughs) And I think that's basically true with people of any age, as well as with dogs
1: and puppies.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's a good thing. That's a good thing.
1: The three R's reward, repeat, and reinforce. You know, that that probably would work with the aspiring writers too. Again, <laughs> yeah. it, it did for me with that Wakefield for us. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's a very good reminder. <laughs> Cause as a writer, you know, I think a lot of what you're saying is that people need to keep writing. And they need to keep reading other people's writings.
1: Oh yeah, that part of the work kills me. (laughs) It kills me when I hear aspiring writers who say, "Oh no, I I I never read other people because I I I I don't want to sully my gift." You know, Uh, that's BS. You know, you you gotta write. Uh, Kmart's always looking at uh, what Walmart is doing and. You know, you got to keep up with the competition. You got to know what's happening. You got to know what's out there. Uh, It doesn't be, inspiration doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. You got to do a lot of things to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And most of the time, the sitting down and doing the writing is only done after you've done all the preparation ahead of it and for you because i think you know I've,
0: i've talked to a lot of writers and and people have different ways but for you do you get some some ideas some phrases are there some things that come to you at times that you weren't sitting there intentionally writing um and So let me just ask that part. Does it sometimes even answer your
1: question? Yes. Okay. Most of the good stuff just pops into my head, but it doesn't pop into my head out of nowhere. It Mm -hmm. pops into my head because I've done the the preparation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why it pops into my head. And then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll write it down or I'll run down here where we're sitting right where I'm sitting right now talking. Uh, and, and write it down, and and try to write it out of me, or at least get a start. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, you 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 do the work, and put yourself in a position to succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and doing the work, I I, I don't want to be known as a dog book writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the same reason that that I didn't, and still don't want to be known as a I choke on the word as a poet. Um, you choke I'm, on the word? <laughs> I, I choke on the word. Uh, wow. You know, it, it, too many people are running around calling themselves poets and yeah, I don't want to assume any mantle before it's given to me. Uh, I, I just think of myself as a writer. And if I thought of myself as a writer of just poetry I would be a writer of just poetry. I wouldn't have written two, well, pretty bad novels, but I wouldn't have written two novels. I wouldn't have written a children's book. I wouldn't have written now three slim memoirs. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have done all that if I just thought of myself as a, a writer of poetry. Okay. I, I, I don't want to limit myself. To, mm-hmm. Life's too short, and uh, the writing and the work is just too much fun.
0: So I don't think I knew that you had written two novels. I, I I do know you since you've written the memoirs, and I know those. But at what tell say a little bit about the novel writing, please.
1: Well, at like many people of my age I'll I'll, I'll be 70 in March Uh, people of my age aspiring writers uh, wanted to be the next Jack Kerouac and so did I you know uh, and and I wrote two really bad novels that got published uh one got some really nice recognition but they got published early in my career and I they didn't teach me much because they were really bad, but what they did teach me was that uh, I'm not a long distance runner. I, I don't have what it takes to become a novelist. Um, I'm more of a sprinter. And that's that's why I took that little detour into poetry. Uh, uh-huh. and That's why it took me, oh, decades to get that detour out of my system to the point where I was able to make yet another detour into writing those those memoirs uh and 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 those memoirs now they're books about what it was like for me growing up in the in the late 50s i was born in 1951 uh and because of my background as a writer of poetry they uh uh they're they're not straight memoirs they're more like uh poems with a thyroid condition. Yes,
0: yes, they are very poetic, yes. That's what I was thinking. I'm glad that you said that because I was thinking that clearly the writing of poetry and the writing of poetry that is really sparse in words with really powerful phrases (laughs) influences the way you wrote your memoirs and your children's book. So it's in some ways it's, it's all poetry or maybe you wanna say none of it's poetry, I don't know. <laughs> well,
1: that, that gets back to, to the basic definition of what poetry is uh, or what we learned, what I learned as a kid is that poetry is saying as much as you can in as few words as possible. And then I run into these writers who who feel obligated to you know you throw in a million adjectives and descriptives and things like that and you you don't give the the reader a chance to apply their own intelligence to, to what you're writing and it's a very unsatisfying experience and i found that by leaving some things out and challenging the reader it's a much more Mutually acceptable experience. Yeah. Writing works both ways, at yeah. least the way I see it. Yeah,
0: and as you talk about that and and words, uh, you know, too many words. I think about there are also some things that are different from the total sparseness and the excess words. And and I and I'm thinking about a book that to me is amazing. It's Edward Hirsch's book, uh, Gabriel, a poem. Which is about his son who died um, with a drug overdose. And it's a small book, but it's one very long poem. And it's written with those brief phrases that have high impact, but it's still a lot of pages. And, and so it, it's, it's like they're, they're, that's very different than what I think about as you know being told in english classes in junior high and high school that you need to study this person and memorize this poem and it's like i don't relate to any of this stuff that i'm being told is so important and then as an adult when i when i start by by coming in with to the world of contemporary poetry suddenly i'm i'm like awakened with poetry is this powerful communication. And a lot of poetry that really appeals to me has such a connection to human experience and emotion. And, and you know, that, that's what I, what I love. I love, and this, this to me connects to, to dogs and art and poems. I love that Wolfgang Carstens sent me the big uh, poster size, of the drawing that Mish did of you with the one word poem, endure. I love that in so many ways. And one of the ways that I was going I knew I was gonna say this in this, <laughs> in this podcast is that I've always thought that the actual art of you by Mish on that particular that particular piece I've always thought that it showed a bit of the dog side of you, as well as the human side of you, and I say that in the in the best and most loving of
1: ways. <laughs> yes, I, I've been told that, we, you know. I, I guess there's there's worse things than being told <laughs> cool you look like a schnauzer.
0: I love that piece. It it hangs in a, in a room that was our, our younger son's room. That's now basically a guest room above this ca- this big shelf of of books. And it's it's like the focal point when you look in the room in the doorway of that room. That's what you see. I love that.
1: <laughs> well, Mish did it did a really neat um, piece of art focusing on, it started out as a photograph of, of Stella who's on the cover of Five Dogs and Mish did this really neat rendering of her. And it's funny, it's talking about Stella, um, she seems to be at times more well known than me. Uh, <laughs> yes, it, You know, she, she's got all these things done of her that, that Mish did and, and now an artist in, I think Germany did some um, drawings paintings I don't know what the the media is uh-huh. of Stella's sent them to me Wow and, yeah it's starting to it's starting to become a problem it's getting to, to <laughs> Stella's head um, now that she's a cover girl on the on the front <laughs> cover of my new book yeah uh, she's okay except she wants 75 cents for each photograph <laughs> and uh, if you want her to give you her paw that's by appointment only but uh, all right it's a problem that we're working through she's a smart girl (laughs) (laughs) get paid for your work that's right
0: absolutely that beauty is is hard earned (laughs) (laughs) it's a very sweet picture on the front of the book it is really sweet
1: Thank you. Yeah. We A review said that, that the, the picture was blurry and it was purposely so. We didn't want it to be specifically a picture of me and my dog. We wanted it to be a person and anyone's dog. Okay. So, so that's why it was slightly blurred. At least that's the way, that's my take on it. Uh, I, uh, thought, to, go ahead.
0: I, I thought you were going to say that it was slightly blurred because. Stella didn't want any of her age lines to show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that
1: too. She's she, she in the Photoshop right now. It, it's, it's really hard. You know, she's got the book, she's on the cover. Uh, the toughest thing for her is reading the book about her. Uh, it's tough turning pages when you're working with pause.
0: Yes, that's true. That is a little difficult that is a little difficult i've noticed from your facebook page that many dogs are enjoying this book
1: oh yeah yeah we started it was eileen's idea that uh it started i forget who sent us the first one a picture of a dog reading the book five dogs and mm-hmm. as people have sent them to us mm-hmm. uh, we're collecting them and we're going to put up a uh uh, e, e, either a, a page or a, uh, a a rotating gallery of all these pictures <laughs> of dogs reading the book. It, it's really a neat idea, and it, yeah. it takes what's it the focus on the dogs uh-huh. where it belongs. Uh-huh. If anyone's interested, the book is on Amazon right now, and uh, um, I'm really excited about it. Really and, excited.
0: And when we share the podcast on the Talk with Me page on Facebook it will have the link to the, to the how to purchase the book. And actually five dogs and Bark and Phoebe and Ido are dogs. All three of them are, are wonderful for the, for the dog lovers who are looking for readings. <laughs> it's the perfect time,
1: which allows yeah, and, me- Yeah, and, and, and there are links on my website too. To yeah, well.
0: yeah, perfect. And, and it, it allows me to move into something that is super important to me we need to spend our money as locally as possible with like as close to the writer as possible as close to the artist as possible as as much as possible by local arts by art period you know that that when you think about things as if you're a holiday gift to giver birthday gift giver a new child has been born gift giver you know think about the meaning of starting in the case of a, of a young child, starting a great collection that includes books from people who are alive and writing now. Um, I love, I love that. I mean, I've got this cool shelf. It's not a shelf, it's, it's on my desk in my bedroom of books that are all by people who I've spoken with, you know, um, and, and I love that, you know, I, that I get to share you know, copies of Phoebe and Ego with different kids in my life, and, and other things that have been like that, where where there's this, you know, like you and John, you know that I gave a copy of Five Dogs and Bark to a friend here who's a poet, Matt Fowler, who's such a lover of dogs, and and I thought, you know, he needs, he hasn't, I don't know that he's written in his poetry about his dogs, but he's got such a love for his dogs. That that it's nice to to be able to say, hey, you know, here you are, this poet. Here you are, this writer. These two these two people, and even though you've never met, you have this intense love of dogs in common, and so you need to have this, Matt Fowler. And and so um, I, I love that that we can we can buy art and and give that and have that.
1: Share you've that. been doing your podcast for a long time now. How many yeah. years have you been doing this?
0: I was, I started the podcast with some, I was asked to do a podcast that I didn't really want to do it in the way that I was asked to, and so it quickly evolved to conversations with artists. My first, very, very first day of recording was December 26, 2013. And by early in 2014, it was like, now nah, I'm not doing that thing that you wanted me to do. And I've made that really clear. I'm doing this other thing <laughs> and I love yeah. it. And it and it brings great joy. And unfortunately I had a long break and I haven't recorded regularly since my initial tech partner, Daniel Smith, um, had a bunch of life changes and moved. And I didn't really know, I, I didn't find the right person and the right availability to in recording around um, my uh, social work commitments and personal life commitments. And then it was actually Mark Statman who this summer um, said, Hey, you know, could we do the podcast? Because he and I had done a piece together for Cultural Review at the invitation of both uh, Alexis Roan Fancher and Eileen Murphy, Mish. Um, and so we ended up supplementing the, the Cultural Weekly article with a podcast and it's like oh this is such fun I love doing it I love doing it so John I've loved it it took us a long time to get back to this once you knew that you were going to be publishing five dogs but I'm so happy to do this and yeah so 2014 to
1: 2020 come almost wow, 10. It wow. Was a long
0: time. but there was a there was a long gap and and I welcome people to contact me and say I want to do this uh, I would love to be your guest or I know this person who should be your guest the talk with me page on facebook is is one of the easy ways to to find me um you'll find me on you know when john posts the link you'll be able to make the connection to different things um
1: do you also have links to some of your earlier shows it, it, like, yeah yeah like mark they, they, that comes to mind mark statman um who, what a Cool, wonderful, intelligent guy. He's a, he's a guy. huge baseball fan, like uh-huh. like I am. He uh-huh. and I sometimes we talk more about baseball than about writing. But in his writing, oh my god, um, he is unfairly, but interestingly, most famous for his award-winning translation of Garcia Lorca's "Poet in New York." Uh, previous to that, I, I, I never appreciated how much talent it takes to have a translation that really flies. Yeah. And, and Mark explained that to me you know, over the years as we'd become closer or closer friends. And he explained that to me. Mm-hmm. And as I never liked Lorca, I didn't understand what all the fuss was about until I read Mark's translation. And for anyone who's listening go to amazon buy that buy some of statman's books Mark,
0: i'm going to interrupt you there because buy mark's books through lavender inc <laughs> yes his, his yes. publisher lavender inc dialogos you can that's that's the the even more direct route to mark's work and yep. uh, so that's another wonderful press that's available and his poetry as well as translations And Mark is a wonderful human being and and it was it was interesting and he's again he's one of those fabulous dog lover people I think that's that's one of the marks of good
1: people. (laughs) Never trust somebody who doesn't own a dog.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's that and if your dog doesn't like that person
1: there's a good reason. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. We we had a we had a party once. Uh, Years and years and years ago, our first dog. And uh, one of the guests was someone that we weren't quite sure about. And everybody came into the party. It was a Christmas party. And everybody was walking in the door. And our dog was going nuts and jumping and greeting everybody. And this one person walked in the door. And our dog went, (laughs) And we thought, good dog.
0: (laughs) wow that's interesting that's very interesting yeah cool very cool so dogs are wonderful reading is wonderful buying the books that you can is important you know it's like there's so much stuff available yes that you can read online but think about how you would feel about however you earn your living if people thought they always had the right to access that for free (laughs)
1: You, you know, that's a good point you're, you're bringing up because people, and I appreciate you, you always support me and buy my books. And people think that, that writers just live on air. Writers are like plumbers or electricians. You, you know, you need to earn a living. You need to sell the work. So you said as, as close to the bone as you can get it. Mm -hmm. buy locally and and buy the work from these these writers these painters these artists and musicians Mm -hmm. uh, support the arts Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it's 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 fun it's fun to to explore new things and and sometimes when i say buy local what i mean is when you can order stuff through your local independent bookseller um, as opposed to going online you know it makes a difference and and you know I I know that's people like what I get the book I get it wherever it doesn't really doesn't really matter it's like well think about what you know that artist that that poet that writer that that creator who does provide um, opportunities to be in the room with you know with a a reading and now a lot of that is done um, virtually because of the pandemic but you know, who, people make the time to, to, be, to interact with people. You know, local bookstores and libraries, um, learning institutions host those kinds of events. You know, local bookstores mean some local jobs which are really critical in any time. Oh, even you know, more
1: so things? in yeah. these yeah. times, yeah. yeah.
0: Lawrence, Kansas, where I am is, is, we're so lucky because I think about two businesses in particular. The Raven Bookstore, which is our independent bookseller,
1: which you I- sent me a coffee cup. From I the-
0: did. I did. I still have that. Yeah, cool. And and Danny Kane, who's the, as I say the caretaker, because it's a business that's been around for a while. He's also a, a writer, and so he he's done so many things. And now you know, now it's mostly looking like you know online events that are with uh, writers, and and so they uh, local people. Do local businesses often do great supports in their community? They they are likely to do contributions to support important needs. And, and I just want to give a shout out. This has nothing, well, now it does have something to do with writing. There is a little diner in Lawrence, Kansas, downtown um, that was opened by Meg Hereford. And this diner is called Ladybird Diner. And they're sort of the heart of Ladybird Diner is Meg. And all the people who are part of that place. And the the heart food that's sort of the heart of their menu are pies that are made very carefully. And Meg is an amazing writer who has over the years of Ladybird, you know, which isn't so many, but she's written these wonderful posts about things going on in the restaurant, interactions with people who come into the restaurant and, and things about her staff. And and when the pandemic hit, and it was not safe to have in-person dining rather than move into a, a carryout uh, type restaurant like most did. Meg's heart said, there are people who need to be fed. There are people who don't have their jobs, their income, their food. And so she does a daily free meal and mm-hmm. like, like 300 or more meals every day for whoever comes to get them. And there's always a vegetarian option and, a, and an option that has meat protein. And they're delicious. They're wonderful things that are from her menu. And she recently published a little book called Ladybird Collected. Um, and if somebody's interested in that book, uh, the, the most direct ways to buy it are from the Ladybird Diner website or from the Raven Bookstore website. Either way, all of the money goes into the free lunch program. That Meg provides. And you know, if you think, well, it's just Lawrence, Kansas, it's like, well, actually, the Washington Post wrote an article about Meg and the diner wow. as an encouragement for people to do such things in other communities, not just recognizing her, but also, you know, you, you put that seed out there. She has a business model that includes service to community. And that's always been part of the model. So anyway, so I, I think about, you know, when when I say buy local, those are some of the reasons. Danny does oh, great yeah. things. Meg does great things. And that's happening all over our country.
1: Well, yeah, I saw the other day that roughly 10% of the American workforce is involved in the restaurant business in one way or another. So supporting your local restaurants, and it's important.
0: Yeah, yeah. So buy books, support local businesses, create the art by working hard when you're an artist of whether it's words or other things, you know, support other people's art. You know, one of the things that I do each year is I host um, one of the events is on September 10th, which is World Suicide Prevention Day, and it's a performance night and it had to be on Zoom this year and it was poets and storytellers. And, and one of the things I love is that we have events like that and people stay and watch the whole event, not just, the bit that they're involved with, but they, they support other performers by being there, being present, showing, showing, you know, giving praise, comments, jokes, you know, the banter that happens between people who are good friends. You know, we need connections. And so as I say that, you know, people are listening to this podcast by whatever technology. I hope that as they're listening they kind of feel like they're sitting in the room with us. You know, I'm sitting here with my coffee and my dog, my puppy is still asleep at my feet, which is quite Uh astounding. I did not anticipate that he would sleep through this. I expected big noise and jumping and all kinds of things. You know, John, you're sitting in the space where you write. Um, I hope people feel like they're with us and that it inspires them to, to be with people in whatever ways are safe ways to do that.
1: Well, that's one thing I try to do in my writing I, I, I want the the poems but especially those little memoirs to be conversational I want uh-huh. I want the reader to feel like it's just me and them sitting yes. a together having a conversation it's yeah. it's not high flown highfalutin language it's yeah. just talk
0: yeah And that's certainly my experience of your writing. I love that. And and I I apologize because I considered you a poet and now I will just say, John is a writer.
1: (laughs) I praise indeed. thank you.
0: (laughs) So much to your surprise, John, we've been talking for about
1: an hour. (laughs) Yeah, we have. you know, I, I said to you, who wants to listen to me talk for an hour? And that's still true. I felt <laughs> like I'd been listening to you talk and I've been listening to a good friend. Yes, yes. Thank absolutely. you. Absolutely,
0: Thank you. So we want people to know that you have this most recent book, Five Dogs by John Amaris that was published by Concrete Mist Press which is the press of heath brocker and that one is available on amazon all of the books are going to be listed on john Yammers's website bark is the book of poetry of dog poetry um which was published by epic rights press and phoebe phoebe and ito are dogs is the children's story that's so sweet uh that is also published by Epic Rights Press. So, so we hope that some of those dog lovers go, I know some other dog lovers, I need to have some of these books.
1: <laughs> well, I'm hoping, you know, with, with Christmas coming up and, and people are trying to save money, books are, are a relatively inexpensive way to give something that means a lot more than the few dollars it costs. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And, and they're, to me, they're not just stuff, you know, I don't want just stuff, I want meaningful things. And, and reading John's writing to me is very meaningful. And, and I, you know, I know that, that I, I gave, you know, I think about a four-year-old and a two-year-old who have a copy of Phoebe and Ito and, and they have a dog that actually looks a lot like Stella. So they, they love this, you know, and I, I just, yeah, just people do what you can to support each other and the arts. Um, John, any any parting words at this moment from you before we say so long?
1: Boy, that's a lot of pressure on my shoulder. I know. No, I, I, I have no parting words other than to uh, thank you for this opportunity. I, I really, enjoy talking to you like this I, I enjoy talking publicly and privately with you so this is thank fun you. and I I feel honored thank Aww, you
0: thank you listeners we hope that you have enjoyed this as much as we have and and I believe that you do I think that's why people listen you are welcome to to add a comment on the on John's page when we get this uploaded let him know you're welcome to send photos of your dog with five dogs, you know, or maybe with bark. Hey, maybe your dog likes poetry better than the little memoir stories. I don't know. (laughs) Thank you, listeners, and so long till next time.